This podcast is rated M for Mature by the Outer National Council of Fellows. Babies, consider yourselves advised. Also, this podcast discusses game characters, plot lines, and design owned by their respective developers and publishers. Please support their games. Keeping the beat, <laughs> you increase that speed. Yeah. I did this in high school, or not high school, in middle school choir. I know what to do with this. We had the same problem. Yeah, it's so, it's so difficult. It's gotta go. Lag. Uh, all right, no. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take my headphones <laughs> off and do it. Jake sucks. All right, headphones are off. Kicking your can all over the place Singing we will, we will rock you (laughs) (laughs) I heard clapping when I came back It was beautiful Hello and welcome back My name's Jacob Nickel And I used to be the biggest Red Dead Redemption fan Until they had to go and do that to my favorite character this week Hey everyone, my name's Chris and I'm the boy from the mountains that plays video games. Oh boy. <laughs> Hello everybody. I'm David. I'm the man from Cali, the Mexicali man. <laughs> Spicy. Alright. Um so we've returned this week to visit our leather clad chap as he adventures through six more chapters of his very personal life story. We're recapping to you all the events of the main story of Red Dead Redemption as best we can while trying to leave in some of the gameplay elements. Um, try to make it a audio treat for your ears, <laughs> not your tongue. Don't you taste this you. audio. Um, <laughs> Alright, so getting right into the meat of it. Marston last time. I think we ended with the Tempest Looms, right? Yeah. With all the lemming cows. And uh, John Marston had just become uh, more honorable. Got himself uh, a nice flock of cows back, because that's how they do. He doesn't herd cows, he flocks them. Now John Marston's hanging around the ranch still, um, you know, maybe maybe hoping to bump into Bonnie again. It's nighttime, the d- sky is dark, and John Marston 
is yawning real big. One of the best uh, animated base <laughs> <laughs> animations. Just gonna keep redundantly saying animation um, in the whole game. Yeah, I was pretty impressed. Pretty sexy. Uh, this chapter is called The Burning, not the Spoiling. <laughs> Uh, Bonnie power walks up from behind Marston mid yawn and asks about her paw. She's like, hey, 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 Johnny, Johnny boy, you seen my papa? He's like, no, I ain't seen him. She's like, man, Uh, my dad left in the morning and uh, nobody's seen him. Uh, I sent the ranch hands out to see him, but you know, it's like, past dinner time and he didn't come and get his uh, biscuits and gravy biscuits and gravy he's not normally out this late yeah that's that's what they eat <laughs> from the fresh milk mm-hmm. from the milk cows and Marston's like hey we can go and check on him let's go let's go find that dude and she's like oh man super soup's worried he's never out this late what if something happened to him? And Marston's like, relax. The dude is built like an ox. She's like, maybe, but he's he's all I got. Marston's like, hmm. All right, let's go, let's go. They get on their horses, and they ride on out of the ranch to explore the territory surrounding it. And Marston starts asking her, he's like, hey, do you have any brothers or sisters? Because... He apparently, like many of us, doesn't remember when uh, her father told him <laughs> about his uh, other children. But uh, she's like, yeah, uh, I had six brothers, but five of them died via, you know, illness or bad choices. And uh, the last one headed east. Uh, and then uh, he, I got a letter from him saying he was a banker, so, you know. Probably a banker. Marson's like, mm, yeah, all right. And I wrote down here that uh, want him back. So I guess Marston just wants that guy. <laughs> I don't think that's how it happened. Um, but he's—I I think he was intuiting that you know she wants her brother back, right? She's like, nah. Uh, but I am, you know, worried for his soul because city folk. Uh, they're not always the best types of people, you know, like those uh, federal agents who sent Marston there. And she uh, said that he switched his saddle for a tie. You know, that's all well and good, but she never met a tie she could trust. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we, uh, we're, we're kind of, we've ridden through the countryside a little bit, and we find Drew. He's all well and good, crouched over several dead men and horses in the midst of just kind of this nice grove of trees. It's a very romantic setting for such a violent, heinous crime. And, uh, you know, Drew's like, rustlers. It was, it was bad dudes. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe the Bollard Twins, who we've heard from before as one of the local gangs. And, uh, he's like, get back to the ranch, both of you. It's not good to stay out here. And uh, Marston, you watch my kid. Get her back safe. And uh, they're both like, aye, aye, Captain. Let's head on back. 
So they turn around, kick their horses in gear, and uh, as they ride back, I kind of notice on the horizon, against the starry night sky, that some of those stars are being blotted out by what looks like a very large black shadow in the sky. And I'm like, that looks like smoke, y'all. And that, uh, I'm not actually Marston, but uh, if I could tell you, Bonnie... The title of this chapter had to do with birth. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't look good. Fine. Um, Fine. So, we're, we're heading back. And, of course, Bonnie doesn't apparently notice the smoke, and Marston doesn't say a lick about it. Uh, and she's like, damn, rustlers, I ought to shoot them myself, all these lawbreakers out here thinking that they own the place. And Marston's just like, easy, girl. I used to be one of those guys. You... Are talking to a veteran wrestler and she's like damn you I mean everything you did was despicable and you try to justify it by saying that like you guys had a code like uh, honor among thieves the second <laughs> uncharted game don't think I didn't play it and he's just like man there's there's some good about it like you can't all be good people but uh, she's just like damn <laughs> sucks <laughs> and then uh we get in like basically riding the side of the front gate of the ranch and finally bonnie looks like look mr marston the barn is on fire and i i draw up into view and i see that barn full on and the smoke cloud that's been billowing up from it that i've been watching the past 30 seconds as we rode back and there's fire just kind of glinting up through those windows I see it's a rager inside of that barn and not the good kind and uh, she just kind of bursts forward towards the barn barely giving me any time to catch up I just hold on to that X button and it takes my horse to top speed <laughs> I kind of slam into some railings inside the ranch Dang. before I know what's going on and then uh, oh my goodness we get we get to the we get to the barn and we leap off our horses, and we see a dozen ranch hands busy about the barn. One man taking an axe to the front door, but it wouldn't budge, so I look for another way. And Bonnie's like, see if you can use the loft. So I look to the left of the barn, where there's some wooden constructions leading up to the roof, kind of. And uh, I see there's a set of stairs off on a rise to the left, and then there's like another little wooden platform. And then there's like this ladder that's hanging down that's on fire. So I'm like, oh, platforming in Red Dead Redemption. Perfect. So uh, I climb <laughs> those stairs and then I try to jump to that platform, but I, I don't make it. And I'm like, man, that sucks. But it's just, it's low enough where it's kind of like slightly above head height. So in GTA, you can usually just, you know, jump up to something that's right there and grab onto it. So I try just straight vertical jumping onto that platform, and he doesn't take. I try it like three or four times, kind of hit my head on stuff, fall over a little bit. And then I kind of look to my left as I'm behind the structure and notice that there's a giant yellow X next to this series of platforms <laughs> that neatly lead up to the roof. And I'm like, oh, oh. I was trying to do something too fancy. <laughs> so I just kind of turn to these uh, series of platforms that aren't involved with a burning ladder whatsoever and climb up very easily. Um, 
And then we get to this point where, you know, you do have to do what you do in GTA, where you grab onto a ledge that's right above you. And more than that, you grab onto this pole that's above you, and you have to shimmy. And I was like, wow, Rockstar? That is something special. You got shimmying in Red Dead Redemption? I did not remember <laughs> that. That slipped my mind. So shuffle over and climb up onto this kind of platform around the roof of the barn. And the flames are licking the top of the roof as I run past two closed windows to the back of the barn and uh, go in to this loft area where there's this pulley for pulling up bales of hay and stuff like that. And... Uh, I hear the horses screaming inside and flames are just riddling all of this interior and uh, there's a ladder right in front of me and (laughs) I try to go down it but you know I kind of more just like don't (laughs) yeah fell straight down to the next level and (laughs) there was a second ladder that time and so the first ladder was one of those where if you were a normal human being, you would have to, like, kind of turn around and go down backwards. But this one kind of looked like I could just jump onto it since I was on one side and it was on the other. And I tried that, and that didn't take either. So this time I had jumped full off, and I took major damage. But I didn't die, thankfully. And I see all these horses screaming, and I just kind of run to the front doors of the barn, and some booty head had put a pitchfork between the door handles so I ripped that out opened the doors and everybody's like "Ooh, alright get those horses out Marston as I kind of cough from all the smoke so apparently I'm the only one doing the work <laughs> around here and uh, I go get the horses by uh, slapping that mm-hmm. ass so I slapped two horses in the booty <laughs> special command and uh, when I get to the third and final horse in the barn, uh, all of a sudden a bunch of timbers fall down from around the front door. All right, so now they're blocking it. And we just saw the jumping skills of John Marston. He can't jump and grab onto a ladder. He can't jump onto a platform that's two feet away from a set of stairs. He can only directly climb things that are right in front of him and burning wood isn't something that he's particularly talented at climbing. So you just mount the final horse, and the horse jumps it, because they're much better at jumping. Um, and you get out there, and uh, kind of ride the horse over to this little corral to make sure that it doesn't run off. And apparently the ranch hands have put the other two horses in there as well. And Amos, Amos, the long-forgotten character, comes up and he's like, Good job, buddy. Well, that was something <laughs> good. I gotta go to work now. And he just leaves. And once again, is non-consequential. Inconsequential. And uh, Bonnie comes up and she's like, Thank you, man. You saved us. He's, Marston's like, I did what I could, but uh, sorry about the damage. Because... He's a ruffian, like the people who must have burned that barn. And uh, he's like, man, drawing, drawing things together. He's like, that gang must really want you guys out of here. And Bonnie's like, yeah, we dealt with them Indians, white and trash. They're nothing. 
And Marston's like, Shh, I'm scared of white trash. <laughs> Bonnie's like, now nah, we got it. Now we owe you one. And Marston's like, no. You saved my life. Just sell me moo-moos when I get back home to my farm. Because I like dealing with people I already know. So sell me those moo-moos. Give me that sweet, sweet beef. And we'll be good, Holmes. And uh, she's like, yeah, sounds good. Get some rest. And then uh, Marston's just kind of coolly sitting down by this fence post, taking a break from all his uh, barn charades. And uh, like ten cattle are lazily milling around him and, you know, might get upset if you stay there too long. Well... Upon finishing burning, at least for my in my playthrough, um, I decided to follow up on uh, Dickens' recommendation on finding a an old companion of his named Seth. So, kind of like to get there was kind of strange because when you get you go to the mission marker, it's kind of like in the middle of nowhere, and it's like this little chapel graveyard. Upon you know John Marston walking in, you know myself. I'm pretty sure we were going through the same mindset. We were just like, who's this Seth character? <laughs> Out in the middle of nowhere in what seems to be a graveyard. But so, John Marston moses on down into the graveyard. And he sees something quite strange. A hole in the ground and what seems to be a character in the ground. John Marston walks up to the person upon saying and, and asks if this is Seth. And... It indeed is Seth. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> is it? <laughs> and, well, it is Seth. We have ourselves here a doozy of a character, everyone. This guy, Seth Briars, he's a ragged, shriveled up shell of a man. And if you can imagine Gollum and a sun dried tomato having a baby. You would not be far off of this guy. He is creepy as hell, and honestly, if you stare into his eyes, they will burn you down to your soul. He's really disturbing, and he loves himself some corpses. What's up with you and your sun-dried tomato? <laughs> he is a tomato! You can't tell me he doesn't look like a tomato. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in the sun so, all day. I just discovered my favorite snack, sunshine. Well, I mean, he's got some ro rosy red noses. Oh man, it's more I than just he looks the like nose. A tomato. It's his whole face. That whole face is blood red. <laughs> this is true. It is pretty like. Uh, that man is the devil. Mm hmm. Not to mention, like, Christ, the one thing that really, like, stuck to me was, um,. When you look at him, like he has a mustache growing, but it, but like half of it's been torn off, and it's like you're like, why yeah. and how? This guy's. He's got those little yeah. nubs right on the uh, tops of the edges mm -hmm. of his lips. Looks like and he hasn't moisturized it. in years. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway. <laughs> Upon meeting our kooky character, Seth, uh, we end up uh, trying to get his attention, and Seth really isn't a people person, as he makes it very clear to Marston, where he's just like, let me get one straight and clear. 
I hate people. People's what got me in this mess. Goodbye. And he goes back to digging through corpses. Marston has to insist, saying that what Dickens has sent me. I need you. I need your help. And then, you know, stuff's just kind of like, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. Look at me. People have ruined my life. I haven't showered in six months. My hair's falling out. I'm here talking to dead people. A little bit half insane. And then, you know, Marston, surprisingly, cool as a cucumber. <laughs> he's just he's just leaning yeah. against this tree as Seth is just unloading this insane baggage of just random information that you know to a normal person would probably freak them out. But then uh, Seth continues talks about a partner of his, a uh, uh, Moses Fourth, something that he had stolen something precious to him, a map of some sort, and he was so confused. Seth is confused. Why would Moses do this to him? He was his partner. He, his best friend, but, you know, now, if he ever gets Moses, you know, I think, he, think he'd put him six feet under. But, but John, realizing that Seth is clearly just only eyeing this one goal, realizes that maybe his best play here is to assist Seth in his, in his, uh, dastardly deed. So, he offers his help, while Seth seems to be having, like, I think a mental breakdown, because then he... He, he crawls behind a gravestone and just kind of does straight up golem, my precious. <laughs> <laughs> and Marston has to slowly crawl around him and say, hey, I, I can help you. And then Seth kind of snaps out of it and says, you know what? I think I, I think we, we, we can do that. Let, let's, let's, let's go. I, you, I trust you. And, you know, the mission starts. And so they I like to point out, as, um, you know, as we start heading to, I guess, uh, where Moses is, Seth has... Benedict, Benedict Point. Point. Seth's horse is quite unique because I think it's the only horse that I think I've seen that's just it really mirrors him his, himself. As the horse is really like thin and narrow, as if it hasn't really eaten in quite a while. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But his but Seth. No, you're probably right. I didn't really take a long yeah, look most, at the horse, but yeah, because most horses in the sense. games are kind of just. You know, they're big and heavy, but Seth's is, like, significantly thin and small. Similar to himself, which kind of threw me off. I kind of liked it, too. It was this gray color, and I was just like, uh... Oh, not gray color, but, like... It was really dull brown, and I really liked it. But anyway, as we're off to the Benedict Point, Seth begins to talk about his fascination of the dead. And Marston, just trying to hold it together... He's like, are you alright, sir? Like, you know, that's not normal. And he's like, no, 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 no. Shh, you don't know what you're talking about. Dead people are awesome. They're cold. They don't, they're sad. I speak to them. I let them know that it's okay. Like, I understand you. No one else will, but I do. And Mars is just like, yeah, you, you got a few loose screws there. Yeah, you continue going forward. Stuff begins to kind of ramble to himself as well. A couple little things here and there, like, I think one thing that really was funny was he talked about looking into a cave, not to look into the cave. It's very dark in this, like, weird tone. And then Marston's just like, did you say something, partner? And he was like, no, I didn't say anything. You're, you you said something. You're crazy, sir. You got to get your head checked out. And Marston's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right, partner. Whatever. Uh, and uh, John just begins to start, start to tell stuff about his predicament with uh, trying to get to Williamson and how maybe Seth can uh, aid him in that endeavor. 
And Seth just begins to uh, talk about how he as a person is a man of very resourceful talents. And by resourceful talents, I guess he meant doing the things that a normal sane person probably would not do because, you know, they would never think of it. And then Marston agrees and says, yeah, I could see that. I could see you doing something totally insane and crazy. <laughs> well, upon getting to Benedict Point, you, you guys, <clears throat> we end up parking our horses to the side behind this, like, little shanty. I don't know what it is. It's like this wood structure. It's like a little storage place, Ben. I think it was actually the railroad Yeah, station. I think well, so. Well, it was, yeah, the railroad station, but, like... Yeah. Um... I don't know, there was this weird, like, weird wood structure, unless it is also tracks on top. Oh, are you talking about the, uh, like, that kind of ore, uh, like, chute? You talking about the big chute the that was coming down Probably the that. mountain on I stilts? I think so, that's what it was. They, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they kind of, they hid behind it, and anyway, well, upon getting there, Seth tells them, hey, look, Moses is there. Looks like he's got himself captured, and there's two deputies. And Seth's like, hey, how about you get rid of those deputies? You know, Marston, just like, oh, okay, I'll figure a way out. And, uh, you know, Seth suggests them, hey, why don't you just take their horse? They'll definitely follow you. He's like, all right. So, you know, me and myself hop on that horse and start heading out. And upon immediately grabbing onto one of the deputies' horse, I think for, like, at least me... This might be the first introduction to the wanted mechanic, at least. I don't know. Yep. You know, I'm amazed it's your first introduction, considering how many animals you've been killing. Yeah, but they're just animals. They don't matter. (laughs) (laughs) No, that horse matters. I mean, if this were if this were a Bethesda game, (laughs) you you'd be like sentenced. Oh, you'd be like executed on the spot. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, because I do, I mean, Red Dead does have, I guess, you know, a mechanic, you could say a good or bad, me- good or evil sort of kind of mechanic, whether you would want to be an outlaw or an upstanding citizen. But, you know, at least for me, you know, I went the honorable citizen route, so I never had seen the wanted poster or the wanted mechanic anywhere. So when it showed up, it kind of threw me off and just straightforward to GTA status. Oh, I got her. I got my little wanted reticle and I had to. I had to ride out of that circle and eventually just, I guess, lose the, the deputies. But it was quite interesting. Upon losing the deputies, you, know, you go back, and I was thinking that Seth would already deal with Moses, but I guess he just decided <laughs> he decided to wait right. for you, <laughs> which really threw me off, because I was just like, oh, I'm back. And he's like, oh, good, you're back. I was like, well, didn't, didn't you talk to Moses? <laughs> Wasn't this the whole point of me distracting the deputies? <laughs> but... I, I think the thing is, for me, a little bit, I felt like Moses was kind of made up, like Seth was just yeah, yeah, I, hallucinating him, like he was Seth's me, second personality. So I think Seth caught on to that uh, in Marston, and he's kind of like, you know what? I'm going to show this <laughs> Moses is real. Moses is real. But yeah, you know, he, he goes, I'll leave this to me. And basically just says, hey, Moses, guess who's back? And Moses, instantly terrified, realizing who it is, tells him, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I got caught. So what do you think would happen? And he basically ends his Moses' life and um, kind of doofusly, I don't know how to, I guess, incompetently, stuff just opens the door and Moses just kind of barges out. 
and runs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you see the shadow of Moses running back and forth inside yeah. this deputy shack, which we had heard he was imprisoned for exhuming bodies himself, yeah. similar to Seth. So I don't know why he's just running around inside the sheriff's office when he's yeah, supposed to be inside a cell. But yeah, he just kind of yeah. busts out there. And then, you know, Seth's just like, I'm too lazy. Marston, stop him, please. <laughs> and, you know, this was quite quite interesting for me, only because I decided to just kind of follow him a bit and then test the range of my lasso, which I realized it goes pretty far. Because I... Yeah. Yeah, he's got a good arm because, like, uh, he was quite distance away from me as as, he, as Moses was running, and I just instantly roped him in and just hogtied him on like a quick second. <laughs> yeah, you did that a lot more uh, peacefully than I did it. When I did it, I was riding on a horse <laughs> and I lassoed him. <laughs> did you? And I didn't. Did ex- I, I thought like I would stop pretty quick, but no, I kind of pulled him along on the ground while I was riding the horse. <laughs> Dang! It dragged him all the way back. Did he have skin marks? <laughs> he should have, but unfortunately, no. Yeah. Man, when I got him, and well, when you're taking him back, you know, Moses like depends on how long you have him. Usually, I mean, for me, I had him a little bit while because I had to walk back. But he was just like, "Let me go! What are you doing? You don't know what you're doing!" And then starts pleading with you, telling you Seth's insane. He's crazy. But then upon getting close to Seth, you know. He finally breaks and just goes, I'll pay you double. I'll pay you triple whatever he's giving you. You can share the treasure. Which really lets Marston know, man, this this treasure's for real then. Or like, this, uh, I don't know what this treasure is, but it might be worth something. But, you know, upon putting Moses down, you know, Seth has his shiv handy dandy shiv ready on him. Didn't know where he took it from. He got it from, though. He kind of just has it on him. <laughs> And he's ready to gut Moses alive for his piece of this, for this piece of his map that he's missing. Yeah, and this is kind of the, uh, when, when we get Moses and Seth face to face here, this is the first time we really see who Moses is. Before, he's just kind of this, uh, generic NPC that we're tracking down to throw a lasso around. But, uh, yeah, we, we get to see Moses' face on, and, He's real mousy looking. He's got just a real super wide face and beady eyes. He's got this like scraggly brown, uh, just like goatee, but it's just the chin <laughs> part of a goatee and real fucked up teeth. So he's obviously kind of, he was at this treasure game for a little while, but maybe he's reformed himself a little bit because he's got a full luscious head of hair and you know if his face wasn't so fucked up he might kind of look <laughs> decent but uh, <laughs> he's also definitely very scraggly like his friend Seth and uh, a little bit mental as well it seems um, but yeah he's he's really we don't get a whole lot of details with him uh, other than that he's an old friend of Seth and uh, an experienced grave robber as well so maybe he's uh, gone a little off the treasure hunt route, and he's just kind of routinely <laughs> robbing graves to make ends yeah. meet. But unfortunately for him, he decided to backstab the wrong treasure hunter. Because, oh boy, Seth is ready to stab him into pieces. Threatening him to cut his tongue until he finds... Oh, actually cutting his mouth until he finds his little tongue. 
And then Marston lets Muzzles know, hey, look at this man. He's, he's, he's been fried under the sun. I'd take his advice. And then Seth interjects, saying, no, no, Marston, shut up. No, I want to cut into a bona fide man's flesh. Because <laughs> he's never cut one alive before. And then Moses breaks and decides, no, 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 I can't do it anymore. He tells him, uh, it's it's at Odd Fellows Rest, Odd Fellows Rest, which I can only surmise is probably another graveyard. Mm-hmm. And then you know, says I told you what I needed. Now let me go. And well, Seth sad it really sad in that he had to stop because he he seemed to like he was gonna about to enjoy himself, but he was satisfied that he finally got his answer. But he decides to take away the fact that he got Moses to piss himself. <laughs> he walks away with that triumph that Moses mm-hmm. pissed himself. And upon, you know, that gratitude, he decides to tell Marston, Thank you, mate. Thank you very much, partner. Now here's some, uh, I, to what I can assume is forged um, forgiveness papers or pardon letters. Sorry, a, a part of a forged pardon letter. And, you know... Yeah. Quite, quite convenient that I guess the, I guess the train station takes com- these pardon letters, which kind of throws me off. Cause yeah. from what I remember, if you're wanted, you have to pay your bounty at like a uh, sheriff's office. Yeah. But you know, you, you give but, your pardon. Yeah. You know, a little cool, just huge title comes up saying your counts of what you are wanted for, and you know, your one count of horse death. Is pardoned, <laughs> and you know you're free to go, and you can go about your merry way. Yep, and uh, I guess we're kind of introduced to uh, this mechanic of paying off your bounties or excusing your bounties through a get get out of jail free pass. That's what it. Is. And after this mission, we still have the pardon letter <laughs> in our inventory, which kind of misleads you a little bit by thinking that once you have the pardon letter it lasts forever I don't think so I think it's a consumable <laughs> but you know I guess the idea was that the mission was giving that to you as a reward as well as also excusing the crime that it forced you to do um, but yeah that brings us to our next <laughs> where Mr. Marston rolls back into Armadillo <laughs> Oh man, wait, Armadillo? What you talking about? Dang, counterpoint! Counter! <laughs> I was thinking the hanging body McFarlane. No, 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 let's that. back it on what, up what, here. No. Mr. Marston <laughs> heads back to Ridgewood Farms, where he goes to meet up with his old friend West Dickens. And a mission called Liars, Cheats, and Other Proud Americans. And so, when Marston arrives at the farm, he sees Wes Dickens loading up some of his famous tonic into his cart. And the two have a little conversation (laughs) about our, our friend Seth that we just met. Marston goes up and says, Hey! This man insane. The hell you doing, Dickens? 
And Negan's like, ah, man, it's cool. It's cool. Seth is, he's like one of them Egyptians. He, uh, uh, he messes with the bodies. It's all good. It's part of history. And Marston's... Yeah, and one thing that he said about that is he's like, oh, well... Most people don't like him because exhuming is a crime now in modern times. But Egyptians, they used to value the art of exhuming. And I I was like, really? I thought it was the opposite. And I googled, and I'm pretty sure it is just the opposite. They like to, you know, mummifying people and putting them to rest. They didn't want anybody digging them up. <laughs> pyramids existed. But, uh... Yeah. Just kind of classic uh, skewed oh, history yeah. courtesy. Of All the skewed history references. And so, Marston's not really convinced by this answer. He's just like, I'm watching you, Dickens. I don't like you. I don't like you none. But, nonetheless, Dickens is like, hey, I gotta make some money before I can help you. Uh, I sold him the tonic before. That wasn't good enough. So we gotta go and uh, do the sport of kings, Mr. Marston. Uh, it's uh, racing. Marston's like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I have to help this man again. And so he reluctantly agrees, and the two get on to uh, Dickens' cart and ride off to where the race is about to begin. Uh, do you guys remember the name of the place they go? I think it was Gap Tooth Breach. Does that sound right? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's what yeah. I got. So they go up to Gap Tooth Breach, and uh, in front of Marston, there's about seven other racers, and Marston gets on a horse and cart in the back of the group. Um, and I, I do want to take a moment, because in my version, Marston takes a leisurely stroll down the center of the start line just to, to eye his opponents because you got to know what you're up against. <laughs> and it's just kind of a, it's a motley crew of cowboys, and there are some dudes that kind of look like gentlemen. You know, they're dressed up a little bit nicer, uh, have some top hats on and stuff like that. And the dude who's like immediately in front of you because you're, you're all the way in the back, mm -hmm. right? dude who's immediately in front of you is <laughs> like a gargantuan ape man with this dark brown beard that's just like one of those uh like a perfect circle of just jutting facial hair you know like a mane of facial hair and I'm like, Jesus, that guy must be, like, the boss of the race or something. Man, I wish I had that. My guys all looked generic. I don't know if that was just me or what, but they all looked pretty much like your average cowboy. I didn't have any uh, manly men amongst us. Yeah, he was pretty threatening, but it turned out he played very much like an average dude. <laughs> But yeah, the main thing about these uh, these racers, though, is that they aren't expecting John Marston. So we take a uh, little seat in the cart in the back horse, um, and the uh, referee, I guess, what do you call the race manager person? Uh, I think it would be like ref. I don't, well, 
Uh, I don't know. The uh, referee of the race. It's the pistol dude. <laughs> yeah, the guy that shoots off the pistol is says, go. Uh, he uh, lifts off a couple rules to follow on the race. Uh, one being, let the faster cart pass so you don't have any accidents. And uh, <laughs> the other being to mind your manners during the race. Be a uh, gentleman. Well, Marston was in a gang, so he ain't have none of that shit. So what I decided to do is when that pistol got fired, I bolt straight through the entire group of racers, <laughs> pushing them aside. One guy lost his wheel, and his cart just went flying off to the right, and I just keep plowing through all of them. They're just going all over the place. They don't know what's happening. And then I get in front, take a nice leisurely lead, look back and say, Hey, rule number one, guys, let the faster cart pass. And I just take a nice leisurely stroll from there. I'm sure you guys had uh, some other interesting things that happened in the race that you might want to add. Oh, <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jake, how generic of you. Well, for me, I mean... It was more of a fumble. I did a similar thing as you did, Chris. Except instead of going straight down the middle, I went straight down the right side. It was quite fun, just pushing them, watching the collision go as I, I just pushed my way forward. But unfortunately, I did go a bit too fast on one of the t little turnpikes there. And I ended up actually flipping myself over. It was not my <laughs> proudest moment. <laughs> and then upon flipping myself over, I got an immediate... Well, not a f immediate fail screen, but it was basically like, hey, do you want me to put it back on the course? Or would you like to restart? And I was like, you know, I'd like to restart. <laughs> don't mind. You've lost your <laughs> dignity. <laughs> yep, I've lost my dignity and I can't win the race again. <laughs> so, you know, I had to do it a second time, but, you know, that second time was an instant win. Um, I will say that I think, just like you, like, I, I, I didn't obey the rules. I didn't intentionally try to like push people off the road, but you know, on my second race, I was as I was going, there was this one person that I kind of, I guess the collision went wonky because I got too close to him, and I guess we got interlocked for some weird reason, and then he, he and then he ended up blocking me, and I just kept pushing forward, and eventually kind of flipped the wagon over. <laughs> Wait, flipped his wagon, his or yours? No, the other guys. Oh man, that poor bastard. But, I mean, all was good, you know, no fail, because I think he was still alive. I saw his model, like, character get off the wagon and stand up and kind of give, like, the, what the heck, man? But I just rushed <laughs> off forward <laughs> to victory. Yeah, the great thing about that is you can mess up their bodies and their equipment in any way you want, as long as they don't end up dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't shoot in that race. That was the one rule that it firmly established in the uh, just kind of the message in the top left hand corner tutorial mm -hmm. yeah so after that nice little uh, extravaganza of a race um, we or I ended up winning and uh, we meet up with Dickens again and he's like hey Marston you done made me money again thank you kindly <laughs> So we should probably skedaddle before anyone starts trying to shoot us for winning. And Marson's like, Dickens, Maine, I don't like your shit. 
you need to help me right now. And Dickens is like, I, it takes time, Marston. Uh, don't, don't hurt me, please. I like my face to sell my tonic. I need my good charms. Um, in the meantime, there's this guy named Irish you should hook up with. He's got lots of guns, and a drunk man with guns is a good thing, yeah? Yeah. So then, the two part ways, and Marston's just like, I hate Dickens so much. <laughs> yeah, the relationship's really breaking down. If it was strong to begin with, it's, <laughs> it's, it's completely <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Yes, that brings us on to our next chapter, I believe. Where we uh, waltz right on back into Armadillo. Good old Armadillo. Home of the Armadillos. For the next mission, as we mosey on down to the sheriff's office to a quite foreboding title, as this mission is The Hanging of Bonnie McFarlane. No spoilers, but I think Bonnie's in it. Oh man, are you hear, sure? You didn't hear it from me. Oh man, <laughs> this is why I no longer like the game. <laughs> well, for me at least, I think it was at night time, but you know, John Marston decides to go see the good old Marshall to see, you know, let's see what the Marshall's got. He's always got a good mission, he gotta shoot some people. So you mosey on down to his office, and you, you enter into quite a hot situation as the scene opens up with what seems to be deep already in the, the office with, with the marshal, flustered and angry. And his Deke oh, or Drew? Drew my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Deke is there too, but I think he's in a cell. He's, in a cell. In a he's kind of sleeping, I think, or just thinking to himself. But yeah. He's chilling. Drew McFarlane, my bad, is in the room with the marshal. Really heated and angry. The two sex mm-hmm. icons of the entire game. This is the pinnacle of man in mm-hmm. the game. <laughs> well, No more testosterone has ever been in one place. In one upper lip before. <laughs> <laughs> and then Eli walks in and it's triple the testosterone. Oh, man. Dang, that's true. And he's a mild-mannered man. But, besides the Drew is clearly upset, angry, and seems to be particularly angry at Marston as he as he's asking, "Where the, where the heck is this government boy at?" And Mars and then Marshall's just like, "He should be here soon, sir. Don't worry." And then Marston walks in, and uh, unlike a loving home, you know, is belittled and attacked by Drew, asking, "Where is she? Where the f is she?" And Marston caught completely off guard, just like, "What are you talking about, man?" He's just like, my daughter, Bonnie, she's been missing for a day already, last afternoon. And, oh, oof, Drew. I didn't see that. <laughs> <I didn't> see <laughs> <laughs> the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and Marshall tries to come in for the assistance, just like, no, you know, she's fine, nobody's missing. Drew, you're just overreacting, I, I get it. You lost your daughter before and other family members and she's all you got. But trust, she's okay. Just because she didn't come, just because one day she didn't make your breakfast. It's, it doesn't mean the end of the world. It's okay. <laughs> but then... <laughs> yeah, she's probably 
having sex, having the sex, mm-hmm. you know. She's a grown woman. Maybe dude. she found herself a man. Maybe she's just hang, just chilling with this new man. But, but she's definitely holding herself out for Marston. Mm-hmm, always. <gasps> but before the arguments can continue any further, we hear a peculiar voice from outside the, sh- the, the marshal's office, and someone's calling out to him. Three men come out, and we're... We're introduced to uh, quite, uh, I don't know, a, a quite savory character that we haven't seen before. <laughs> His name is We Made Up. <laughs> <laughs> Given no name, this character, I don't know. I'm gonna call him Bexy Man. Oh because man! Because honestly, he is. He, I think he is a Mexican. Did you call him Bexy yeah. Man? Bexy Man. All right. Bexy Man. Yeah, Bexy <laughs> yeah. Man. I feel like it's altering before my very ears. Well, yes, we're introduced to Mexi Man, who comes riding up on a horse. Um, quite a character, clearly an outlaw, as you can tell by his uh, his little trench coat, his little hat, and his uh, bullet his little bullet belt around him. Really scruffy. He's got a bunch of lines. He's got that classic Mexican long hair. Really great. He's got a full-on evil goatee to go on with his his uh, outlaw look. You know, he he addresses the men, and then realizes, hey, Mr. McFarlane's among the men. Oh man, this is a bonus. And he's just like, well, howdy. Ah, ah, how do you? How are you? I, I've come to for an offer. I've come to make you guys an offer. You can't refuse. And he's like, I'm here for Deke. And then Marshall's like, well, that ain't happening. <laughs> For, I'm sorry, that's down the road away. <laughs> well, I mean, he informs them that he's, that in possession of, he has Bonnie McFarlane. And it's great. He has her. And that if, you know, that, <clears throat> if they want to make sure that she's safe and she's okay, that he would like to make an exchange with D for Deke. But, you know, before doing uh, uh, any other thing, he decides, since Drew's there, might as well make some more, like, low blows and then decides to compliment Drew and say, you know, you gotta find daughter. Maybe maybe I'll marry her. Maybe I'll pump some babies in her. Which, honestly, would make this whole situation quite awkward, honestly, when I heard it. <laughs> but, you know, Drew is clearly furious and angry. And wants his daughter back but you know Marshall trying to be the Marshall says you know we don't do do, do any deals here and then you know Mexi man's just like who are you kidding who are you trying to joke around this is the wild west of course you guys do the government itself is nothing but a bunch of outlaws you know blurring the lines and just destroying them but you know he tells them hey I want Norman Deke we'll do the trade at Tumbleweed you better be there Tumbleweed <laughs> Come there. Getting some nice dinner. <laughs> come there. Come below. Nobody people. Just bring Deke. If not, you know, he'll hang Bonnie herself. You know, and maybe she might get uh, oof, raped possibly before then. But, you know, it's quite awful, actually, his th- his threats is given. And Drew's just in shock. And, you know, he, he's like, well, that's that. You guys have yourself a pleasant af- na- night. And he, he rides away, you know, showing that he is also a classy outlaw you know he, he's not he, he's not shy to show his manners from time to time and 
So he drives off, and then, you know, Drew just destroyed about what he's heard. Just wants affirmation that he'll get his daughter back. And, you know, Marston just jumps the gun and says, yeah, we'll get her back. Don't worry. We're going to do the exchange. And, you know, Marshall goes in to grab Deke. And then John decides to comfort Drew and says, don't worry, Mr. McFarlane. We'll respect the law. We'll bring your daughter back. Don't worry. One piece. And then, you know, come out Jonah with uh, Deke and throws Jonah on his horse. And, you know, they're all ready to go. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on. You might want to re-say that sentence. Because <laughs> you just had Deke throw Jonah off your horse. <laughs> No, I said Jonah comes out carrying Deke. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jonah comes out carrying Deke. And ends up putting him, uh, uh, I think, his horse with the marshals. But, um, anyway. Then we start off our mission to go save Bonnie. And, you know, magically Eli shows up upon the posse, which kind of threw me off. Because I didn't see Eli entirely in the scene, but, you know. Uh... We have our little motley crew of the marshal, his two deputies, and and Marston, and we start riding off towards Tumbleweed. And Drew's still there, right? No, no Drew no, stays, no. Behind. stays behind. The man is distraught, so he stays behind, hoping for his daughter to return. But you know, they ride off. They, they ride off, and uh, as they're going, the marshal impedes his information about like about his dislike about the government as well, and how you know he really doesn't. Like Marston being around because you know he's causing trouble. And then Marston, letting the the marshal know that you know they're not so different. That like he 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 didn't ask to come here. He didn't ask to do these things. You know the government themselves are you know wolves in sheep's clothing. They're they're bad people. Not everyone is you know the suit and tie person. But you know as they ride, they begin to talk about <clears throat> Williamson a bit more and about Deke himself. So, you know. I'm not sure if it's known at the time, but I guess Deke is the second in command of, of, of the Williamson's mm. boys. And, you know, Morrison yeah, then man. remarks upon learning this information that, you know, wow, his standards have really lowered since I've last met him. <laughs> 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 and, you know, Deke just throwing some death threats, you know. I'll get you when I get you. Just watch you out. But, you know, as they begin to ride closer, you know, Marston starts to implore, what is, what, what is Tumbleweed exactly? I haven't heard of it. I haven't seen it, at least. And uh, the, Mar- the Marshal starts to tell uh, Marston how Tumbleweed used to be a little thriving town. But, you know, once uh, the railroads were built up and the uh, city of Armadillo was set up, you know, people just up and left Tumbleweed and just started not showing up and ended up becoming an abandoned town for thieves and outlaws to hang out. Which Marston remarks is, you know, a place I wouldn't like to actually go at all. And then the Marshal adds that a lot of hangings end up happening over there in Tumbleweed. Which really doesn't add any light to the situation. But, uh, upon going through a bridge and finally reaching the town of Tumbleweed, you get to really see the desolation of Tumbleweed, actually, because it's legit a ghost town. Because you kind of walk through this bridge and off to the distance you see Tumbleweed. It's just kind of a dull brown and what looks like a you know, forgotten little town. But, you know, you get off your horses and, you, and Marston takes it upon himself to say, you know, I'll deal, I'll deal with the exchange. Throws down Deke and uh, 
Well, it's the player we get to have Deek at gunpoint. It's kind of fun. But, you know, we got to do the exchange because, you know, a group of three people over there and Marston just, you know, letting Deek, letting Deek know, hurry up. No funny business. This will be a good and clean uh, exchange. But upon meeting the three gentlemen on the other side of the <coughs> of the road at the, at the town entrance, it's kind of realized immediately that there was no intention of doing the trade and the men instantly take out their weapons and uh we got ourselves a good old fashioned showdown shoot gun town <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> which I don't know about you guys but um I just instantly red eyed and just kinda took out almost half of the people there yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you know, I'm still pretty convinced that I've forgotten about that. You know, I nearly for, I forget about that mechanic too. I'm not gonna lie. See, I well, use the that mechanic enough to make up for both of you, so it's okay. <laughs> but you know, see, I just play games. Chris has fun playing games by actually playing <laughs> with the things that the game gives you to play with, and then David just kind of. Bumps and <laughs> it's quite fun, but you know, even like dead eye aside, like you, the auto aim is so OP in this game. Like you wouldn't even need it, because I mean, I think you, there's like ten people or like ten to like twenty people in the little in the little small town, and it's just like yeah. bang headshot, bang headshot. Some on on roofs, some like through windows, some that bust through doors. That seemed quite interesting, and I could see how like um. The developers really wanted this to be like a shootout scene with a bunch of cover everywhere, but like, I'm, I think the cover mechanic is kind of just forgotten after the like second mission after they teach it to you, because I think mm. Marson's like a bullet sponge. It's a, it, it takes quite a while for yeah. him to start to actually die. Yeah, like yeah. it's kind of a rock star type thing to uh, only really use cover a lot of the times. When you're really low, <laughs> which is very rare. <laughs> That's the way I've kind of always Because yeah, like in that instance, I just kind of ran out there in the middle of the open. I'm like, "Come and get me!" And I just blasted yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah, but this this might have also been. I mean, there were a lot of enemies, whereas in other missions we don't get that many. And I, I kind of feel like they dumbed down the AI a little bit to let you go more gung ho yeah. because of that threat of Bonnie, uh, you know, being somewhere in town that you're not real sure and you're just kind of desperate to mm -hmm. get to her because these guys have already fooled you once. Exactly. You know. But, you know, that beside, I don't know, other than that aside, upon getting to, like, at least, I think, the middle of the town, a cutscene in season instantly where a random little jobber is next to Bonnie McFarlane and she looks pretty beat up. Her, her clothes are torn apart. You can see her bra. She looks like she's clearly dealt. She's been received a beating as well. And he he kicks the stool right under her, and she begins to start getting hanged. And you know, quite serious the situation is. It escalates instantly. But you know, luckily I still had some red eye left, so I was just like instant, boom, headshot, and then shoot the rope, get Miss Miss McFarland down. And I think upon shooting the rope the whole battle actually ends because whatever AI or at least for me whatever enemies were left and just all started to run 
they're scared of that rope shooting mm-hmm. skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for me, I mean, maybe it was just how clumsy I was with shooting the rope. They didn't run immediately. <laughs> uh, but it, it was also, uh, I kind of beelined it for Bonnie, because she's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's... You know? And uh, for getting the red eye again, I, I, I whipped out my, <laughs> my repeater, and I took about like five or six shots around the <laughs> from a real long distance. And, uh, you know, it was on that like sixth, sixth shot that I saw her drop and was like, thank goodness. Now she might have just knocked herself out. <laughs> uh, blunt force trauma to the head. But uh, then I, I continued to assault the few remaining criminals that were left. And then, yeah, they did begin to rout, but they weren't quick enough. Mm-hmm. Same. I dealt with all of them. I couldn't really get that far. But, you know, upon getting rid of all the criminals and shooting down Bonnie, I'm heading straight to Miss, Miss McFarlane, make sure she's alright. You know, you pick her up, she starts choking, and, you know, Marcia's like, are you okay? And she's like, thanks, thanks, just thank God. But then immediately, it's just like, what the heck took you so long, you stupid man? <laughs> it's just like, if you think I'm lowering my standards, and making that stupid joke. <laughs> She's all tied up. She's all tied up. <laughs> She's like, I ain't going there. I ain't going there. I ain't gonna make a joke about all being tied up. Don't even think about it. You got another one coming, stupid man. Just, hmm. And she's like, well, thank you. And she just kind of walks off and uh, gets on top of the marshal's horse and, you know, gets a ride back to her house. I'm, I'm, I'm surmising. And, you know. You're left with the spoils of war, as I looted every corpse in this field. <laughs> yeah. I keep forgetting to loot corpses. I need to learn yeah. from Seth. I mean, like, yeah, you gotta really learn from Seth, but I mean, you don't really need to, because the game is very generous about giving you money, so it's never like you're ever gonna run out, and giving you money for that matter, too. I mean, money, uh, ammo, yeah. sorry. Because I got, like, 200 bullets on, like, everything. But I... Yeah, <laughs> I often find in games where money isn't something where you need it for upgrades in a lot of cases, and where uh, you know health isn't something that you need to spend any money on really ever, because you know regenerating health is pretty much a thing in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, money's really not ever a necessity, so it never feels like you're super out of money, even if you completely are. <laughs> I just like seeing that number high, though. Makes me feel yeah. good about myself. Oh, yeah. Same. Feed me the money. Give me the money. High roller status. Mm-hmm. Which is why, when I found a gang that had stolen a safe from Armadillo, and then I took it off their hands... Instead of returning it, I decided nobody can see me, so let me just crack this bad boy open. <laughs> Still took a major dip to my honor, but <laughs> not Man, who needs but, honor when you have money? Money. Make it <laughs> rain. Aren't there like two safes, it, though, that you can choose from? I, I don't know. I don't know how many saves that Armadillo has, but <laughs> that was one of them. And it was just out in the middle of nowhere because gang members had taken it. Yeah. But uh, I only got like 50 bucks from it, so... Hey, like, man, 50 how, bucks how is much, a lot in the old west. Dip? 
That is true. How much did you honor dip, though? I think it was like 50. So it was like an even exchange. Money's worth more than honor. One piece of honor for one monies. But, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, the end of that chapter is like the end of so many others in this game with horses riding off into the sunset. I think after that, um, talking about your bank heist, I think I... Well, I returned it when I did it, and I ended up getting access to the yeah. trench coat after that. I don't know if that completed criteria of doing something, but my John Marston has a trench coat now. Hmm. Yeah, maybe that just gave you that costume straight up. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't looked at the costume requirements a whole lot. Me neither, but I've been like unlocking a few, like filling some criteria for some costumes. Like, I'm thinking about just doing the high roller. Just do it all the time. Look fancy 24-7. Mm-hmm. Fancy Marston. So wait, you got that too now? Since you got the war horse and the gold. Yeah, I got the high roller, and then I got the dust, whatever, trench coat. Which makes Marston look like a yeah. badass, because he looks like an old-fashioned cowboy. He's got a lot of guns <laughs> under his belt. Yeah, so... Anyway, Marston uh, got his tour of Tumbleweed and kind of got an adventurous tick in him, so he, he rode on down south to Plainstown. Oh, boy. And Plainstown is, Plainstown is uh, kind of an interesting... It's, it's different from what we, we've seen so far with our old shanty towns, our Wild West single road uh, saloon type towns and this one is uh, kind of an oil mining area there's a lot of uh, oil rigs or what What would you call those are they just oil mines or uh, oil, oil wells, wells I guess oil wells yeah yeah that's a good that's a good term for them but yeah you got a just a field full of these oil wells and uh, you've got tents kind of dappled all throughout there's not really any uh, permanent buildings here. There might be a few wooden sheds here and there. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a quaint. It seems like it is just a place where people are working to get that, that precious oil out of the ground. Um, so yeah, got all of these oilers. And Marston's kind of walking down one of these wooded trails. This is also a it's a really green area, you know. You you watch. Um, there will be blood, or movies like that where you've got these oil wells out in the middle of desert. But this is just uh, it's getting even greener because we're getting close to the river here. That's kind of separating our fictional um, America from fictional Mexico area, and uh, yeah, just greenery grass and trees everywhere amidst these uh little tents and oil wells and marston's lighting up a smoke just kind of blowing uh lighting up a cigarette blowing smoke <laughs> to the side that way i don't say smoke over and over um and we hear this this man kind of whispering at us and it's hey hey marston and uh, we recognize it as the all-too-familiar sound 
of a major annoyance in our adventures, Mr. Nigel West Dickens. Marston tries his best to ignore the old man, but he just keeps at us, and he's like, hey, stop ignoring me. <laughs> and uh, he obviously doesn't want to be seen. Uh, we can assume that's because he's up to no good. Um, Dickens is like, hey, I may have lied a bit in the past, but I've got a good plan to help you out with that Williamson thing. So, uh, Marston's like, hey, you telling me you want another favor <laughs> before doing me any solids? And he's like, yeah! You've been taking my potion? You're, you're just so smart. Like, that shit has increased your intelligence tenfold, I'm sure. I would know. And Marston's like, I, <laughs> I'll show you intelligence. I'll shove this finger so far up. And Dickens is like, oh, uh, hold on a moment. Think. Use your brain. Use your brain. <laughs> and Marston's like, I think I'll F you up, man. Like, this is the end of our business dealings together. Dickens is like, shh, 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 shh. You're blowing my cover. So, uh, here. Here's the deal. I'm going to help you out. But first, I'm going to sell my BS potion here. But he doesn't say BS because he praises that stuff. Uh, so I can help you out. Just get a little extra... You know, spending money. <laughs> so, I'm gonna give these oil men a taste of the other oil that they don't even know that they need yet. Ah, 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 snake oil joke. They need it. And, uh, so, Marston hangs back a bit, just like they did, uh, with the last town they visited for selling potions. Sorry, I had my girlfriend making a lot of noise in back. Didn't know if that would take. And, uh... And, uh, yeah. We, uh... We see Dickens setting up similarly to the way he did at the old farm. And, uh, he's got a nice wooden table filled with vials and such full of his tonic and elixirs. And uh, this time he has actually a little wooden sign that has his name on it. So it looks like he's stepping up his game a little bit. And uh, Dickens just starts his pitch as Marston starts to blend into a crowd of oilers. And yet again, he uh, doesn't seem to look like an oiler, but just like a cowboy. But nobody will notice. And Dickens gives his award-winning speech, and he's like, hey... You have AIDS? Well, this can cure it. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, yeah, sounds nice to me. Then a uh, few men on horseback ride up and they start accusing Dickens of being a liar and a cheat. And they're like, hey, he just swindled us up in Chola Springs. Let's uh, tar and feather him right here on the spot. And the rest of the oilers are like, oh, man. This guy's a liar? Let's shoot him. <laughs> and Dickens and Marston, you know, just kind of have this natural fight or flight instinct. They get the hell out of there. So they mount up on the cart, and Dickens whips his horses, and they get on going. 
And uh, Marston is sitting shotgun this time, and a little tutorial message pops up informing us that uh, there was this thing that used to be called shotgun, which referred to the person who was riding passenger <laughs> on the front of the cart, not the person who's driving. And I was like, dang, thanks, guys. I needed that little uh, info factomatic. And, uh, yeah, we start riding away as a pair of horsemen ride up on our booties. And, uh, you know, I kind of like these oilers because they didn't do anything wrong. I'm kind of real mad at Dickens. So I get out my revolver and I'm like, hey, this will just be a flesh wound. So I'm one-shotting these guys as much as I can to unhorse them a little bit. And they kind of fall off their horses awkwardly as their horses continue to trot on by. And... The men just keep on coming. I got like six or seven of them that just come right in a row. Boom, 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 boom. And I, I take them off their horses. And we've still got their red dots in the radar indicating that they're still hostile following along. But they're not getting back on their horses. Unfortunately, since I <laughs> disposed of so many so quickly, uh, I had just kind of the gaggle of four or five horses run right in front of our our uh, little cart there and Dickens instead of trying to go around them is like well I gotta stay on the road uh, just kinda sits there for you know like 20 seconds as these men that would have been no threat cause they were knocked off of their horses just run up on us and start gunning us down and I had a little bit of a moral conflict at this moment because I don't want to kill these men but I don't want to die either. My my track record is pretty good. Marston is a powerful man. And uh, so I, I just start yelling at the horses to get out of our way. And eventually they kind of part a sea as the screen is beat red. And thankfully this time Dickens doesn't have a health bar. Yeah. Nor do the horses. <laughs> and uh, so we, we get on our way. And then uh, we, we see some more men blocking kind of a pass that we need to get through because there's a train on our left that's passing through, blocking off our left side almost entirely. And we just need to get through this little passage. And up on this uh, boulder that's kind of dividing the train and the passage, there's this man just shooting down on us with a repeater. And I'm like, damn you. He's taking pot shots. But I look, and that wagon that's blocking the way has a crate of TNT lodged in it. <laughs> Fools! I take a shot and blow them sky high. You found a remorse for them? <laughs> <laughs> you found remorse no. for the oil people? <laughs> in my days of having remorse for mine, this was over. I had, uh, had given up all my moral uh, quarrels. And, uh, yeah, just kind of started going on from there. Got out a uh, shotgun, blasted <laughs> <laughs> one guy clean off his horse. And uh, carts started attacking us, two men per cart. And the funny thing was that they were trying to do similar to what me and my old pal Dickens were doing with the shotgun guy driving and the driver just driving. The thing is... Marston is easily worth two men, if not more. 
So I easily disposed of every shotgun driver or shotgun rider. And then the drivers got a little bit indignant and were like, well, I guess it's my turn. Started getting out their rifles, but had nary a moment before I blasted them to their deaths. And in this case, I couldn't one-shot these guys off their carts. So I'm glad I kind of broke my uh, chastity for killing oilers before this. So I just kind of killed and, uh, irrationally at this point. And, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of get to the end of the road. We've lost the oilers. We've killed, you know, probably... 20 to 30 of them at this point. But I spared so, so many at the beginning, so it's okay. And, uh, yeah, Dickens is like, well, we got to, uh... Got to live. Uh, to where? To live. Oh, we got to live. No, I was talking about our destination. <laughs> they called it, like, Cave of Secrets or something like that. I don't know. I think he was gonna get a magic lamp there. Oh, man. And, uh... Dickens is just like, well, that sucked. <laughs> Marston's like, yeah, no shit, bro. Well, you want to go racing next? Uh, how about I put my foot up your ass, amigo? And uh, next time I see you, you better have some good shit for me. And Marston just kind of takes off and leaves Dickens in this little alcove of secrecy for the next mission on his line on his quest mm-hmm. you know I just want to interject before we go into the next quest you know there is a way you could not hurt them really oh, Jesus the Christ if they shoot their horses <laughs> yes <laughs> dude you have no idea uh, when the carriages would come by I just dead eyed and headshotted the two horses <laughs> oh my god oh, you are a sadistic bastard do <laughs> you know that but it stops them from following you. But you kill the horses. Kill the guys before you kill the horses. <laughs> Jeez. The horses didn't want any part of this. They knew what they signed up for. They didn't get a choice. <laughs> yeah. John Marston didn't fair, get a choice. I, <laughs> I see a bit of a point in what David is saying in reference to the wagons. Because what are two horses strapped into a wagon gonna do once their riders are dead? Mm. They're, they're done for. I them. mean, so if really, they follow the road, they might get into town. Just to be enslaved <laughs> once Here more. There you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or you can give them the release of sweets. <laughs> you guys are horrible. So after having a rough drive with Dickens. Uh, we meet up with Seth again to have a nice, gentle drive with friends, as the title of the story is called here. Um, so yeah, we go back to the church that we found Seth at in the first part, where we first meet him. I think we're actually headed to Oddfellow's Rest. Really? I'm not sure if it's... Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a different place than he was the first time, because it is pretty similar. Yeah, I think it is. church again. Oh, man. Yeah, but it's on fellows Reyes. Alright, well, we oh, arrive yeah, at that's what a church. <laughs> um, <laughs> with a graveyard. With a graveyard. Very important. Uh, and we see that... Uh, it, hmm? whoa, whoa, hold up, hold up. Is it a church 
Or is it just like a burial site? Building? I'm pretty sure it's like it's a rundown thinking... church because like there's oh, one in the background yeah. and then and then there's the graveyard. I think. Uh, Fairly certain. Uh, I'm just. I I don't know if like people would be filing into this building to praise <laughs> Jesus with the graveyard right outside. I mean, I that's know. how most churches yeah. work. It like in reality, there's like a graveyard outside of the church and then. Well, I don't know about most, but there are some that do this. So yeah, maybe a uh, abandoned church with the connected graveyard. Mm -hmm. But it seems like they're still burying people there. But I don't know that they're still going to church. Yeah, they're definitely not going to church there unless they live in the Badlands, because that church is dead. (laughs) It's just like got holes all over it. It's so run down. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so the graveyard may or may not still be in operation, but at any rate, there are bodies there, and where there are dead bodies, there is a Seth. Seth. <laughs> and so Seth here, when we see him, is uh, dragging a coffin onto a uh, wagon that's ne- nearby, uh, and it's got some bodies in it, and uh, Marston sees this, and he's like, hey, Seth. I need your help now for Fort Mercer. I need you to do things. And Seth is like, Nah, Marston. I gotta find this map. These dead people have it. You should help me with these dead people. Then I'll help you with Fort Mercer. And Marston's like, Oh god, it's West Dickens all over again. But at least he's fun to talk to. So he agrees to help out Seth. And uh, Seth loads up that coffin onto the cart. And Marston gets onto the cart, and Seth directs him to the town of Tumbleweed, which we have visited very recently. Uh, Tumbleweed! Which, uh, I do want to ask, am I, am I the only one getting my own joke with the Tumbleweed thing? Yeah, yeah, you are. Unless David gets it, I don't understand. Uh, so you guys don't have an eating place called Tumbleweed? If I do, I do not know what it is. Oh man! Well, Tumbleweed is kind of a rundown franchise. It used to be bigger, but I think it's been dying ever since. You guys have Longhorn? Maybe. Damn. I mean, honestly, I don't know half the things that I have here. I am from California. This Midwestern sounding restaurants sound so foreign to me. <laughs> man, well, these are steakhouses. But anyway, Tumbleweed has an advertising campaign where they just kind of show, like, uh, western canyons and rock formations and stuff like that. And then at some point in the commercial, normally, like, the end, they say the name of the restaurant, Tumbleweed, just like, Tumbleweed! (laughs) And it's, I don't know. (laughs) I, I thought it was Oh, man, fun. so wait, which yeah. came first yeah, then? It's like Tumbleweed <laughs> or Red Robins? <laughs> Red Robins. Yeah, it's like Red Robins, kind of. But it's a, not, I guess not it's the eatery, little kid but... going like, Tumbleweed! <laughs> 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 this is what I imagine. No, it's actually... <laughs> it's, it's like a... It's like a... It's a grown man, definitely, Tumbleweed. doing it. Tumbleweed. And he's just... It's almost like a yodel. Oh man, so it's like Ricola. Uh, no, nah, I don't like. I I guess what they're thinking is that there's just some dude who's a cowboy who goes out 
to the edge of like a cliff and it's just yelling tumbleweed. <laughs> just so. Well, yeah. anywho. <laughs> this is not a restaurant, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So the tumbleweed we're going to, unfortunately, is run down. Actually, sounds like it's much like the actual tumbleweed restaurant. Oh no. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If you go to an old tumbleweed that's been shut down. You'll get the idea of what the like town in Red Dead's like. <laughs> yeah. But so uh, yeah, we get onto the road, uh Seth starts looking for that map on those bodies and he's like Oh shh Shush my dead body. It'll all be over soon once I feel you up. And Marson's like, what the hell's going on back there? It's disturbing it's as too shit. Much private time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they take to the road a little bit, and oh. uh, Seth does that little touchy-feely deal with the bodies, when all of a sudden we get ambushed by a couple treasure hunters. I think it's about three. And... I don't know what's happening at right now because I was too focused on Seth with his corpses. I just start getting riddled with bullets left and right. And I'm just like, oh shit, we're under attack. And so, being as OP as it is, I'm able to kill off those three treasure hunters that came out of nowhere. Uh, I don't even know how they found me or how they know where that, uh, or that, uh, yeah, Seth has a map on him that leads to treasure, but. Oh well, apparently they are omniscient. Uh, so yeah, I take them out, and Seth doesn't really care that I just murdered three people. He continues to talk to his little body friends. He's like, alright, I checked you all over. You have nothing, so goodbye, my friend. And he just kind of shoves it out of the cart, and it just goes flopping onto the side of the road. And he moves on to the next one. And it seems like every time he moves on to a new body, the smell of the corpses attract more treasure hunters, because we're ambushed again on the road, this time by a bigger group of about five of them. And so I'm shooting these guys, getting them off their horses, because I don't want to kill the horse like David, because apparently he loves <laughs> killing animals. Um... We're we're kind of part of the Epa, <laughs> and David's kind of part of the Nopa. Yep, essentially. <laughs> but uh, and uh, oh, I was gonna say it's just during this section, it's one of those sections where you're driving and you're also supposed to. Shoot. Yeah, I was gonna and, say I was doing that. I ran into rocks about fifty times <laughs> trying to do this. <laughs> well, you just. Well, fire. <laughs> yeah. Well, one loophole to these Rockstar games that make you drive and shoot is if you continuously aim, then the game will kind of take the reins for you and steer you along down that straight path. Uh, but if you just kind of do the quick aim, it'll kill your dudes right quick, then you'll run <laughs> aground most likely because... It only registers that auto uh, drive type function when you're fully aimed. So my idea in this section was to try to let God take the <laughs> And I was going to full-on manual aim while moving. 
And I emptied about 18 rounds off per man, but I finally got him. And we got to our destination very spooky. Oh, man, lucky you. See, I didn't know the uh, auto-drive mechanic was a thing. So here I am, just, like, popping in and out of aim mode, going off the side of the road every two seconds, and then having to, like, back up the horses to get back onto the road. It's an ordeal. I think the game tells you that there's an auto, like, ride mode or like how to do it i forget how it is but i i was pretty sure there was like a button you could hold and you just auto ride Mm, i must have missed i have not figured that out it's only ever been aim for me so if you hold l2 down to aim then it'll auto drive see i didn't know either of those existed that's useful to know um but yeah, so after. But not really, because then you're shitty at aim. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, looking around all the place, shooting into the ether, hoping you hit something. I do think I hit a horse, but I just kind of grazed it on the saddle and then blood spurted, <laughs> and I did not kill it. So So your uh, your conscience is intact. <laughs> it's intact. Oh, never run again. Good. I hope you know this. <laughs> It was the top of the... No matter if horses well, are, are not perfect, they are murdered and killed instantly. I might have hit its spine, so I might have handicapped it. <laughs> At least so it's, it's not dead. dead. Anyway. That's what's important. But for the moment, it was still running. So, you know, if the spine broke, it was from the extra stress that the horse was stupidly putting on it itself. Mm, yep. It wasn't my fault. So <laughs> you're not involved in any way in its death. It's uh, all the horses' fault, and the guy riding it. Spine. No, yeah, it's it like when somebody puts on bug spray, and then you get bit by a mosquito. Not my fault, yep. man. Not kind of related. Fault. Not my fault. Not my fault. Could have just worn body armor, stupid horse. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, after crashing around a lot on my end, and apparently Jake having a smooth ride. Uh, we have <laughs> Seth, and uh, he's caressing his dead body still. He's like, oh, you sweet, sweet thing. Give me my map. And he's like, ah, wait, you don't have my map. Get out of my cart. And he just rolls him out onto the side of the road again. You just hear a thud. And for me, it was at night, so it was just pitch black. All you can really hear is just the thud of the body hitting and, like, a little dust you know, cloud come up, and you don't know what happened to it. Um, yeah, so I believe there were three bodies in the cart, so Seth has one more body left to check, and he starts feeling that boy up, and uh, another four hunters come out of nowhere, smelling the corpses and trying to kill me, and not shooting Seth conveniently, bastard gets to just touch up his bodies without any cares, uh, so I dispatch those hunters, with uh, a lot less crashing, thankfully, because I was more so on a straight road at that point. Um, and uh, as this happens, Seth is all of a sudden ecstatic. He's like, Woo! The map! The map! I got my map! I found me lucky charms! And Marston is really... He, he does not seem to care much about this. He's just like, oh, good for you, Seth. I just murdered about... 12 people but you know it's good you found your map everyone's happy now I suppose except for the dead guys 
And meanwhile, Seth is just kind of dancing around in the back of the cart like Gollum after he gets the ring. Uh, <laughs> and so we arrive at Tumbleweed, and Seth is happy because he's like, Tumbleweed's where the treasure's supposed to be, so I'm going to mosey on over somewhere around here, put together this map, figure out where the treasure is, and I'm going to then be good to help you, Mr. Marston. And Marston's like, I don't give a shit about what you do. Just get over to Fort Mercer the next time I see you so we can finally get Bill Williamson. And with that, the two part ways. And thus ends our chapter. Well, almost. Seth is like, uh, nah, I gotta go get that shit first. Mm, right, so, right. <laughs> we're still kinda on a string. Still gotta solve that shit. Much more enjoyable than Dickens, though. Not at the point of murdering him yet. Just weirded out by him. Yeah, very disturbed. So that ends our chapter. And that chapter ends this week's show, this week's recap. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. And join us again next time to see if Seth finds this treasure. And to find out, will Dickens actually ever fucking help us? (laughs) And also, you know, maybe to see some more loose ends tie up. Bill Williamson? Will we get him next episode? Maybe. I don't know. I haven't played it yet. So, <laughs> anything could happen. And, the... and if that doesn't entice you, I don't think anything will. But most importantly, we get to find out. Is the man named Irish actually Irish? Irish. And is he actually <laughs> drunk? Right, the man, the country, the legend. This is true. I didn't really know what to say after country. The so I was kind of thinking the man, the myth, the legend, and then I put the country in there, and then they didn't seem to be a natural. No, 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 see, it's, it's Ireland, things. so it's the man, the country, the alcohol. <laughs> If you want to get really right. specific with it, the whiskey. <laughs> or, you know, that was a real error in judgment as I failed to realize that Irish wasn't the name of the country, but rather Ireland was. <laughs> the man, the, the thing that they call people from the country, the legend, <laughs> the alcohol. So, yeah, our, our signature closing was was cut off last time so we'll we'll go ahead and resume what will certainly be a time-honored tradition from this point on and sing our goodbye song (laughs) david why don't you uh kick it off for us of course i'd love to thanks for listening guys and we wish you a good adieu and a good Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Merry Christmas. Goodbye. Goodbye. Kumbaya. Goodbye. 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 Adios. Goodbye. Kisses. Hugs and kisses. Goodbye. Dos vidalias. Hasta luego, muchacho.
That's authentic Spanish. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye, y'all. See you next time. See this. This is a cat. Oh, really mean. But I don't, I, I, I don't want you guys to leave. David, Chris, Jacob, you guys are my friends. <laughs> Alright, alright, they have they've had enough. Yeah, David, David they don't need your ASMR anymore. They're already asleep, David. <laughs> they've left. They're gone. Even that guy who was saying he loved us. He's gone it's too. Gone. They're all gone. They've left us. The damn fools. The damn fools. Like Marston left Dick. Mm, in the dust. But they'll inevitably come back like Marston always does. Oh, yeah. Got him. They hate my guts now. Yep. Because they know I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) That'll do it. I'm going to wrap my recording. Same. I'll probably probably cut all of that. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) We mean probably keeping all that stuff in.